Welcome to Losing a Child, Always Andy's Mom. On this podcast, we journey through the devastating experience of the death of a child. Grief is seldom discussed openly in our culture, and the death of a child makes people feel even more uncomfortable. We approach the topic openly and honestly, speaking to people who have lost loved ones and experts who help care for them. Whether you are a parent experiencing loss or someone who wants to support another going through this tragedy, this podcast strives to offer hope and help. Welcome to episode 231 of Losing a Child, Always Andy's Mom. I'm Marcy Larson, Andy's Mom. Today I am really looking forward to introducing you to Geeti. So I really want to keep this introduction short because, again, I go a little long on time and I do want to respect your time. But I just know that you are going to love her so much. And I do want to take one little opportunity to talk about community and about how important I think it is to create a community. And it is something that I want to work on doing a little more this year about bringing people together. So if you feel like you want to reach out to Geeti, just email me. If you have another guest that really you felt drawn to that you want to talk with some more, email me as well because I can forward those emails on and hopefully foster some relationships and more community. And always, always feel free to email me with your stories because that is my absolute favorite thing about doing this podcast. Right now, though, I just want you to sit back and listen to Geeti, Ruben's mom. Thank you so much to my guest, Geeti, for agreeing to come on the Always Andy's Mom podcast today. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. I am really looking forward to talking to you because you reached out quite a long time ago to me. (laughs) And then I didn't hear anything from you for a while. And then suddenly a couple months ago, you popped up again. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I couldn't answer your lovely email for a while. <laughs> I had to just oh. take the time it took. Yes, right, right. And that is what's important, right? Yeah. Is that everyone needs to kind of move at their own pace. And yeah. you don't want to rush anything. You do things when it feels right. And that's what I loved about your email. So originally you wrote um, that you started listening shortly after your son yeah. was killed tragically in an accident. And then I wrote back to you. And then it was, you know, almost a year and a half after that, you said, I feel very strongly that now's the time to share. Yeah. And I just love that, that it wasn't immediate. It was just when you felt like you needed to do it. And it was just perfect. You know, it just goes to show. As a listener also of the podcast every week, you know, it's like, I already sort of talking to everyone and like join in and say when you say something and I agree, I say, yeah, that's right, Marcy. (laughs) I agree (laughs) with something the other person says. So I'm like already have this whole conversation with people. But uh... (laughs) and I think you wrote that to me originally. You wrote that you would like nod along with other parents. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not along or, or cry or laugh or just like blabbering away like an idiot, you know, to you guys <laughs> from the other side of the world. But of course, right. I guess that's what I felt like, you know, you feel connected, you know, you feel connected and everyone is just sort of not in the exact same position, but in a similar position, I would say. Mm-hmm. Well, and we do want to talk about the fact that you're on the other side of the world. So here I am, obviously, in Michigan, and you are coming to me from Australia. Yeah, Melbourne, Australia. I just love that technology. I know. So good. Yes, the technology brings us together like this. But my listeners may listen to your accent and notice 
that it doesn't sound classically Australian. No, it's... so you are coming from Australia, but you are not actually Australian. No, you are not from Australia originally. No, so we better clear that up. Yeah, I was born in Sweden, mm -hmm. and then uh, I left fairly early from Sweden as a teenager, and I've just lived in. Uh, a bunch of different places and traveled a lot and so on and so forth. And then I ended up in New Zealand. I was probably mid twenties or maybe like 28. And then I thought, oh, I gotta, gotta go to school now, you know, do the right thing. Mm -hmm. Then I went to uni there and then I stayed in New Zealand for quite a long time. And I met, I met, and I, I had Ruben there. Like, uh, oh, I had, did you? yeah, I had Ruben there before. I met my husband, actually. And then uh, we moved to um, when Ruben was about uh, eight, we moved to Australia. And then I had another child, Ruben's sister, Maya, and my husband, Paul. And then I was pregnant with my third child, Isla. And she was actually, we came to Australia when I was week 36. Uh, pregnant. Oh, wow. <laughs> My midwife lied and said I was week 32. <laughs> and, uh, and yeah, so she's, she's the only one of us which are actually born. Isla, the youngest one, is the only one of us which is born in Australia. Oh, very good. Very good. And now we lived here for 15 years, yeah. So why don't you start out and just tell us all about your son, Ruben? Yeah, so <laughs> Ruben was, he was just a force of nature from uh, the day he was born. He was just like, I have never met anyone who is so completely in the moment that that kid yeah. was, you know. He was never into any gaming or computers or phones or anything like that. He was just always doing things outside when he was little, you know, he just loved to be yeah. outside. And we lived, that was in New Zealand, we lived close to a um, a big park where like cows were and stuff. And he would always just mm -hmm. play in that park and like jump in the cow poos. And you know, <laughs> he just <laughs> he just loved all of that sort of stuff, you know, the worms and the insects and the, we lived close to the ocean too, so he was just, you know, in the water and making sticks, and and we traveled a lot. So he, you know, he was such a good traveler. He was also incredibly annoying because he could never just be still, you know. He always had yeah. to just move around and do things and uh, sing and make voices and uh, and as he. So then we moved to Australia. And he, mm -hmm. you know, he struggled a little bit for a year or so. Yeah, sure. He had then, you know, he had a weird accent and, you know, he was eight. So, you know, yeah. the kids were teasing him in school and so on. And uh, then he just started high school. Well, this was a few years later, but he started yeah. high school. Sure. And then he just got into his own and found his tribe in when he was like 12 yeah uh-huh and from there he just sort of flew and he, he, then he became a really really annoying teenager and just very hard to control and but uh you know we had a few challenging years there which mm -hmm. obviously a lot of people go through with teenagers yep mm -hmm. but he was always you know are very good with his sisters always looked after his sisters like i've done a lot of different types of jobs but when we moved to australia we um, started a, a catering company mm -hmm. uh, so we did you know we tend to work in the weekends uh, paul and i sure. yeah and then he often when he was a little bit older looked after his sisters and you know they formed a very very close relationship and then finished high school as an art student he was always into art he was a really good artist mm -hmm. and just doing things with his hands and then 
at 18, he went to Europe on his own. Well, I went with him. We did a little trip together first. And then he just took off, you know, 18, traveled Europe and just got into his own and had the best time ever. Yeah. Wow. You know, he came back and um, worked. And then he was just about to go to art school in Sweden, actually. He was just about to leave in May 2020. And we all know what happened in May in 2020. Sure. Uh, so he stayed, obviously. Well, he couldn't leave the country because we yeah, went into could... lockdown. Yeah. Right, right, right. Couldn't leave. Mm-mm. But he didn't mind because a few months earlier, he had like met Lily, his love, love of his life. And we were lucky enough that they actually, you know, lived with us. Oh, did they? Yeah. So, you know, we sort of kitted up the, he had been overseas and then he came back for a while. He'd been to Europe. Then he went and worked in, a, in New Zealand and so on. And then he came back. And then he met Lily and then COVID, well, COVID hit about maybe six months later or something like that. Sure. Yeah, they moved into us, with us, with his sisters. And we just, we were just fortunate enough to have that time together, you know. So everyone, mm-hmm. so everyone sort of hated COVID. I didn't. I loved COVID. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Because it gave you so much time with your with your kids, right? Yeah, just gather, yeah. Have them all in the nest. Yeah, we were all together and, you know, the kitchen, everyone was just cooking all the time in the kitchen. And, you know, Lily's just apart. From the day she, she they got together, they were just inseparable. And she just became a part of the family immediately because, yeah, she, she grew up with her dad and uh, really, really beautiful supportive dad uh, but she didn't really have a mom so yeah it was a connection there sure yeah so covid was a really good time for us <laughs> well especially because you were thinking you were going to have to say goodbye to him yeah for you know a pretty yeah. extended period of time going to art school right i don't know how long art school was but there, it was going to be two years in sweden right so and you thought well we'll be able to visit but He's going to be gone for a while. I really want to cherish this, right, this time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. and I think we did. Of course, we were annoying because they would leave all the dishes in the sink. And, you know, it was just. Yeah. (laughs) They're young. and Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. The girls were there. They were, we were all, you know, I don't know how much lockdown you had over there, but we were in full. I think we were the, the country or the city in the world who had the most lockdown. We were all. The kids were on, you know, school. Uh, Ruben then started a a furniture making class, of course, and that was sort of on online too, I think. Right. And uh, our our business obviously ended our catering business. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah, we started another business, which was actually a bakery. Because I'm a ba- I had the baker in Sweden many years ago, so we started that, and both Ruben and Lily and the girls they were involved in that as well. So yeah, it was. Sort wow. of, um, but he was just you know where we were living, and we were also renovating our house, blah blah blah, in the middle of COVID. But the place we lived in then, when we were renovating our house, was like. We had the, like a big backyard and a big garage, so he could be really, really creative and do all his craft. And he set up these like um, he loved throwing knives. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he was just crazy! And he just set up, built this like you know, you throw the knives, and it's this uh, I don't know what it's called in English, like the aim, like a big board you throw knives at. Sure, sure, a target, uh-huh. Ta- target. Thing. Yeah. and he did that and he did his um he always liked he had stilts and he was like running around on stilts and <laughs> throwing <laughs> knives on stilts and axes and yeah he was uh. he was hard to hard to sort of pin down and he was also very interested in uh music 
to organize the event. He organized music events, um, like mini festivals and stuff like that. So, you know, he, he, wow. was, he was busy. Yeah, he it was, does sound like he was busy. Yeah. Sounds, sounds like a really fun guy. Oh, yeah. He was Lots sort of, of the leader of his tribe. Uh, he had a yeah. very, very close knit uh, friendship group. There were about 20 or 30 of them. You know, both mm-hmm. uh, boys and or young men and young women. Um, and, you know, they got up to all sorts, you know, festivals, you know, camping. They, they always did a lot of camping. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they had very closely knit. And he was sort of the, they sort of followed him because he, 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 he got up to. Sort of later. Yeah. <laughs> he created all these fun things. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. That's what it sounds like. Yeah. So, well, do you want to now talk a little bit about what happened to Ruben? Yeah. So Ruben took off on a big road trip with his best friend. Actually, it was about a sixteenth. Oh no, maybe a little bit later. Yeah, no, about sixteenth of December or something along those lines. And uh, Lily wasn't going. In 2021, right? No, 2019, actually. 2021. Okay. Sorry. Okay. okay. And yeah. Lily was working over that holiday period, so she didn't join them. And uh, they drove all, I mean, the distances here in Australia are just mad. You know, they drove all yeah. the way up to way above Sydney, above Barham Bay. And uh, his best friend, Oscar, uh, dad have he's an artist as well he has a place up there so they went up there and they had like the best time it's beautiful up there you know and tropical uh mm-hmm. you know by the ocean and they did a lot of art and just had the best time and then um, they drove back a couple of days before before new years they came back to to melbourne to create some sort of mini festival mm-hmm. and uh, on the way back and this is one of those things which has sort of haunted me a bit like him and Oscar they would always just like they were into parkour as younger men you know and they jump off buildings and somersaults off whatever you know Wow! and they had stopped at some sort of filled in um Quarry, you know how those big quarries that which they don't sure. use any longer can be like right. water, and right. uh, on the way up they had like had the best time just like doing somersaults into the water and all of that, and when they were driving back they stopped in at the same place and Ruben said I'm not gonna jump I'm not gonna jump and Oscar just got all like what what the hell this is what we do you know. And yeah. uh, they got a little bit sort of mad at each other, you know. And uh, Ruben said, no, I don't want to jump. I'm, I don't want to jump. And I got so surprised also when I heard it, you know, after the fact. Mm-hmm. But anyway, leaving the, there, they came back to Melbourne. Uh, we were away camping at the moment with the girls and their friends. Then um, they did this New Year's thing. Mm-hmm. Back in Melbourne, we were in contact and all, all of that. Then we were going to be away for a bit longer, but Maya's friend got ill. So we actually okay. left earlier, about three or four days earlier. And then we got back to Melbourne. Uh, Ruben and Lily was looking after our dog. Because at that stage, you know, COVID was over, our house renovation was over, we had moved back to our house. They had actually taken over the lease of the house we leased while this whole house renovation was going on. Because that was a really good house. Yeah, so they just sort of kept living there, which was awesome. And then, uh, you know, we spent some time together on the 4th, because that's when we came back went for a big walk with the dogs and all of that then uh, he was going back on to work on the 7th and then on the 6th of january him and i i had got the bike for christmas 
So I just went on a really big bike ride and him and I, we just talked on the phone for probably three or four hours. I don't know why, but we just talked and talked and talked. I mean, we always talked, right? But we never tend to talk on the phone for that long. I don't know what, Marcy. We just talked about life. I biked. He was just sitting in the in the, in the back of his on the of the yard there, just so happy after his trip. Sure. Being back with Lily, we just talked about life and everything. And then um, a couple of hours later, uh, we were Paul was cooking dinner. We got a phone call from uh, Lily and said. Something has happened to Ruben. He's had an accident. It was like late afternoon on the 6th of January 2022. And he had this little, it's not even a proper motorbike. He It's like a little dirt bike. Sure. Which he had just, he just drove around his neighborhood on. And it had rained that morning. And then it got quite hot later on this afternoon. So... No one knows exactly what happened, but he he must have been like a a, a wet spot. So yeah. he drove his little dirt bike. It was just on a in a sort of a park there, and he's he must have slid and flew off. And if the if this other object hadn't been there, he probably would have broken an arm or a leg. Mm-hmm. But unfortunately, it was a big sort of you know those. Uh, electrical cupboards by the side of the roads. Okay, sure. And he just got flung into that electrical cupboard and must have hit it with the side of his head and just broke his neck and died instantly there. Wow. Like literally on in his, almost on his street. Yeah. And there was a police officer which was just walking around with his wife there, off duty, who saw the whole thing and uh, rang the ambulance immediately. And the ambulance had actually, just out of luck or whatever it's called, had just gone past there. And they literally just turned around and came immediately there. And so it wasn't like he was laying there waiting or anything like that but he was pretty much already gone they couldn't revive him on the way to the hospital or there he was he must have got that's what they said anyway he got killed instantly from a broken neck you know that's that's exactly with andy that's the same oh really i actually didn't know that yeah yeah, that's what that's what they say that he was killed instantly from a neck. Yeah, yeah. I've never read the autopsy. I've never wanted to, but that's what I've certainly been told. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I uh, actually read it. He, they, it was so clear cut. They didn't even have to do an autopsy on him because you know he had a helmet on. You know, it was sort of late afternoon. There was no drugs or alcohol or any other person involved. Mm-hmm. So they didn't have to do an autopsy. So, but they wrote, wrote this whole, obviously, medical report about it. And um, yeah, and then it was that like surreal thing, like yeah, we just yeah. we just drove to the hospital. Lily didn't know at this stage, you know, so she went to there from their place. We went to our place from our place, and it was just this, yeah. It's like, you know, he's at the hospital, like, just laying there, dead, you know, right. it's like, yeah. what the hell? I just spooked. Well, especially you just had such a, you know, wonderful conversation with him for hours. Yeah. It's just disbelief, isn't it? It's it, just disbelief. I don't, I don't, you know, like, everyone was there, you know, all of us, obviously Lily, but a couple of his other friends as well. Like... I remember I didn't even cry, you know, it was just, yeah. I was just sitting there. And I remember, not that you are aware of time, but I remember like 
at some stage looking up at the time going, oh, it's like in my head, I'm thinking this, oh, it's probably time to go home now. You know, you're so, you're so in shock. You're just. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that very much reminds me of Eric. I, I mean, at some point in time, Eric said to me, he said, I remember thinking to myself, I'm not crying. What is wrong with me? Yeah. I'm not crying. My son's done and I'm not crying. But it's just such shock. It's just disbelief. I was just sitting there at the hospital and I just said to him the whole time, and maybe that's why I wasn't crying, but just, come on, Ruben, let's get up now, you know? Yeah, right. Other people said to me, you know, he can't hear you. And I said, he can. Come on, Ruben, come on, son. You know, it's time to get up. And, of course, that's, you know, as we know, it's the body the vessel which is laying there but it's just the whole shock of it all and you know just being at the hospital we were probably there for ages you know hours upon hours with him but mm-hmm. it felt like you know two minutes but it was probably like right. eight hours or ten hours or something you know and then uh then the big just disbelief sort of yeah and what happened then was like this amazing thing actually happened and maybe it's because these his tribes are so young you know they're all around you know Ruben was 21 just about to turn 22 when he passed away but his whole tribe just yeah. came to their house you know, and we just, they just stayed there. It was just like this natural wake happened. Yeah. They would sleep there. There would be music. There would be dancing. There would be crying. There would be, you know, they were drinking alcohol. Like there was food. There was, it was just everyone just stayed there, you know. Yeah everyone just came from everywhere it was it was amazing and we just stayed there uh, as well and then we decided oh well i don't even know if we decided it just happened that ruben needed to come home so he did he came back to the house really and which is you know he was born in new zealand that's not that he is Māori, but it's a part of the whole Māori tradition, and it was important for us to have him there, you know. And so he came home, and he was just laying in his bedroom in Lily's and um, his bed, and everyone was just there, and we had like story time and music and crying and wailing and yeah, every every emotion, and we just slept with him. Mm-hmm. that's beautiful that you were able to do that yeah yeah and I think a lot of people don't really realize that you are able to do this yeah well and a lot of us aren't able to do that right I mean oh really yeah well we we weren't because it, there was a criminal investigation oh yeah of course of course so, yes so yes. you know it, his, his his body had to be taken for autopsy and, yeah and we didn't yeah. see it for days actually um which is hard too yeah so yeah you know some people have you know you just have different opportunities and mm-hmm. yeah and we had this i don't even know but you know things are just like the days after ruben died like the whole tribe as i call them were at the house and it was like, I think for us, it's been really important with rituals. Like mm-hmm. there was the worst thunder storm and lightning than, you know, Melbourne have seen, like literally a day or two after his past. And everyone is there, right? And mm-hmm. uh, 
We're just out on the street in catharsis, just like screaming and dancing and everyone is soaked and the water just, the street just gets filled up with water. You know how it can be in like a flooding situation. And we're all just there and everyone is like on top of Ruben's car and he had this big bush car and we're all just there. And then it's it's one of his friends who is uh, a Maori who was born in New Zealand and lives over in Australia now. That's the indigenous people of, uh, of New Zealand. He uh, just naturally rips his clothes or his shirt off and just starts doing the haka. I don't know if you've ever seen that. It's no, I've sort not. of um uh it's the Maori sort of warrior. It's like a dance. Okay. Yeah, I can't. They use it as a um, as a like a, a ritual before right. for a lot of different ways like before they go well back in the days but before they went into battle but also honoring in honoring mm-hmm. the dead and right. you know they see them off with this another particular type of haka and he did that and it was just it was just something else you know and everyone after that just went that everyone was soaked so everyone went inside and then just put on Ruben's clothes yeah. <laughs> so everyone was just wearing Ruben's clothes and oh, and then I love that oh it was just that's amazing yeah, it was insane that's amazing and then yeah. uh Ruben we have we're very lucky in this area we have this sort of it's like a uh it's like a space for kids and youth. It's called the Venny. It's like a place where people can, or kids can, you know, they can go there and build things and they have big, uh, uh, they can do acrobatics and it's just, they can learn how to grow vegetables. It's just like a really cool space. And mm-hmm. when we moved here, Ruben, we live very, we live very close to, the space. Ruben just loved that place, you know. He just spent so much time there. Mm-hmm. And we all did, you know, ping pong tables and sport, you know, all of that sort of stuff. So those people who runs this place are just they're just family to us, you know. Mm-hmm. They're family to Ruben and they they just put on this like amazing wake. Um before his body had actually been returned to us. Wow. And we were just at this playground and people just came, the whole community just came. And was, I don't know how many people were there, probably 300 people or something like that. And we just did a few, um, yeah, just a few rituals and burning candles and, you know, speeches. And I have no, like literally, Marcy, I have, very little memory from there very little right but apparently it was beautiful (laughs) and you know burning candles and all of that and then Ruben came back to us and the people who looked after him they were just they were actually from New Zealand as well so Mm -hmm. that's why they just encouraged this whole yeah, process of being able to bring him to our house or to his house, to his and Lily's house. And then he was there for about two or three days. And his, we just had a very basic cardboard box for him. I didn't want a coffin. And this whole time, all the kids, which are just art students, it was just, they just did art on this amazing coffin. Mm-hmm. And it was just covered in artworks. It was just, yeah, so beautiful. And then he went in there with all these things like crystals and artworks and letters. Like we could put in whatever we wanted in there. Mm-hmm. Then we put him in a um, old American Cadillac and actually took him to the beach because we could do that through this funeral arrangers they were just amazing and we're playing music and 
so on. And then we took him from there to the crematorium. Wow. And then his ashes came back a few days later a few days later and then on his birthday in april we had this two day like festival with him in the in the bush actually where it was all about um, sort of in, led by indigenous australians they have like amazing rituals around surrounding the dead mm-hmm. you know they cover all the the closest family in in like ashes and oh it's just it goes on for hours and hours and hours and so we had that and it was music and it was like the environment that he just loved so very much and right everyone got some ashes and he just got spread out in uh, the australian this beautiful australian bush with you know, surrounded with his, all his beloved people, you know, and his dog and us and everything. Wow. Wow. Yeah. And you had mentioned before we started recording that ritual was really important to you, but wow. I mean, that, this was amazing. Yeah. It's like, I don't know how, it's just, I've always sort of felt like, you know, you gotta create some like opportunity to have that catharsis, you know, like yeah. allow yourself. I mean, like I've traveled to many places on the world in the world, and I I believe that us, you know, us Westerners, we are it's just not in our culture to allow yeah. that sort of and you know that book you've been talking about you know lament for a son it's just meant so much for me that book you know because it's like that whole ability and 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 just create this situation of being allowed or you know what i mean allowed to lament and or just create that that is encouraged even and you know by you know, we were in a big circle and everyone was surrounding us. It's like you need, it's almost like you need that help, you know, you need that Mm -hmm. support or you need that, you know, it's otherwise it's just, yeah, it can be difficult mourning. Yes. Full on because it's literally, we don't know how to do it, you know? Right. It's not like you have a class in school. This is how you do it. And I mean, I think lament is a beautiful thing yeah. that we in Western society totally ignore. Yeah. That it can be so, so incredibly helpful. Yeah, absolutely. Right? I mean, when you're lamenting, you're like, it's like you feel like you're being ripped apart. Absolutely. That is where the that emotion absolutely. can come. Yeah. Because that's like not what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to just kind of keep it all inside. And really, it's so helpful to lament. So I've loved talking with people from different cultural backgrounds who truly lament. And and I think that that is done better in like Middle Eastern cultures, for example. I feel like the Muslim culture and and, um, some Jewish cultures to an extent. I don't know that that with the shiva and things like that yeah set aside a time to mourn to truly truly mourn is just beautiful we just don't do that no because i I think the african African african-american community in the states are better at that than the sort of Mm -hmm. i shouldn't but yeah it's like it's like you're saying it's like you gotta basically create or allow and then it was interesting what you said with shiva there because it's like that is it's that is what naturally happened with ruben everyone just came and that's also yes, in yes. in new zealand where they the the maori they have like a, their community place is called marai mm-hmm. And that's where they do everything. That's where they ha- hold the funerals. That's where they bring the bodies. But that's that's also where they celebrate and the weddings and the the new babies and the the dinners. Like it's all there at the marae. It's happening at the marae, mm-hmm. and it's just like may 
I just think that naturally, you know, for a long time ago, that's it, it what was happening. And then, of course, as our society and technolo technology and everything moves on, we've sort of moved away from that that system or that, you know. Right. You think back that, I mean, when you're, as you're describing that, when you think about it, it was just a place that you would show all of your emotion. Yeah, you would get it. Exactly. You would celebrate, you would laugh, you would cry. Right. It was your deepest grief and lament, yeah. but also your most amazing, wonderful celebration. Yes. It's where you went to be, to be in community. Yes. And where is it important yes. to be in community? It's important to be in community in times of joy. Yes. And times of great sorrow. Yes. Yes, because it's like right. without your community, you, you know, you have nothing. And I mean, it's like, you know, the church is providing that community. But, you know, as a Western society, we're moving away from more and more. Well, you know, in, in the U United States, you, are, you still have that beautiful community. Like, you know, when I lived in the States, you know, I go to church. But here you don't really have that so much, you know. You don't really have mm -hmm. that natural community as there is in other places. And I just think right. that, um, yeah, like you say, in a time of great sorrow, we need to get together. Mm -hmm. Because mm -hmm. what else is there? You know, well, how else are we going oh. to bloody deal with the death of one's child? You know, we can't do it yourself. Nope. You certainly can't. You absolutely can't. It's something people try to do by themselves, but they just can't do it. Yeah. You need to do it with others. And it's scary. It's scary to lament because you said, like, you are literally ripped apart. And, you know, the right. snot is coming out. You might even pee yourself. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> right. <laughs> you're like yeah. fall oh, you're sure. falling down on the ground. You're rolling around. You know, it's like it's not... You know, you don't look your best, if you know what I mean. No. It's horrible. No. It's a horrible place to be, yet it is a beautiful place to be. And afterwards, when you sort of come out of that, you can breathe a little bit easier. Like, you know, yes. you have you have talked about so many times when you were lamenting and your stepson just didn't know what to do. And right. it's, like, <laughs> it's terrifying for other people to watch. But <laughs> mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's very funny because, you know, I'm, I'm obviously I do this podcast from Andy's room. This yeah. was a spot that I that this was that exact spot that I was laying <laughs> in just just absolute utter lament, just sobbing uncontrollably where my foster son was like i have no idea what to do right now because i am re literally sitting in the spot where i yeah. was laying like the table wasn't there at the time i was just sitting on the floor yeah. yeah but but it's amazing that you know i recently talked to a different mom that was on a few weeks ago now when this is about how then you you lament and you cry and you just pour out everything mm. And then somehow, amazingly, you get up. Yeah. And you don't think you'll be able to. No. But yet you do. You do. And then I found for me anyway, when we've gone through all these rituals, like remember after just being there in the Australian bush, um, you know, a part of the, the, it was so early, so I was still in shock. So, you know, but. Yeah, sure. Right. Just. I just sat down and just sat there for hours. And I remember people just, you know, brought me a cup of tea or whatever. And then a part of the ritual, when the ritual is over, you get given like a, or the mother gets given a white, a white feather. And you have to let go of that white feather at some stage. Mm -hmm. And I didn't let go of it until the next day when I there was this like hill there you know and i just walked up this hill with my dog he was just following me and usually usually he was really really annoying the <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> dogs can be and he was just he was amazing the whole time actually he was just yeah he was grieving too you could really see him grieving 
And he just walked up with me to this top of this very high hill. And I didn't want anyone else to come with me. And I just walked up there with Gus, which is the dog's name. And then finally, you know, just letting go of this white feather. And it just, it didn't want to leave me first. It just fell down on the ground next to me. And then it just took off and flew up in the air. Oh, it's a beautiful how process. Symbolic. Yeah, how symbolic that must have felt. Mm -hmm. And then we had, we had not, we also, because Ruben was like a, he was a global citizen. Mm -hmm. You know, he was Swedish, New Zealand, Australian, all of those things. So mm -hmm. later on that year, we went to New Zealand. Mm -hmm. We had a ritual there, which was also incredibly beautiful, just getting the whole New Zealand community together. And then this year, we went to Sweden and did a similar and not a similar, not like the two-day mm -hmm. festival, but like just getting the whole, the Swedish community together and, you know, just allowing them to also be a part of it. I love that you did that because it is so important to be able to do that. Yeah. I, I just think that helps so much with the healing process when you can have some ceremony, yeah. some way to honor honor people yeah and mm -hmm. you know for 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 us it's been really important and like the the first anniversary which was obviously there was in 2023 that was big also for us like we took the the closest people which was just mm -hmm. actually us and I have a stepdaughter too, which is one of Ruben. Yeah, the, one of Ruben's friends just moved in with us and stayed with us for one year after after it happened. We don't quite know how it happened. How it happened? Yeah. But she did. She stayed with us for a year, and we've sort of supported each other through. And Lily obviously stayed with us. So it was us. Yeah. Did she? I had, was going to ask that if she stayed with you then. Mm -hmm. So she did. Yeah, Lily stayed. Well, Lily had, I won't go into it now, but Lily had a very, very difficult period and has now actually moved to Berlin, which was Ruben's favorite place in Europe. Really? Yeah, she's been through, she's been through the ringers and now she's, uh, oh, I'm sure. She's doing really well. She was just actually back for Christmas and uh, she's actually going back today to Berlin. She's got herself oh, wow. a job and she's going to next year do an art school. She's also an art student and she's not going to do the same art school Ruben was going to because that's in Sweden and, you know, he was a yeah. Swedish citizen and could speak Swedish. So she, but she's going to do a go to art school in um, Edinburgh in, in Scotland next year. So. Oh, wow. so that's really exciting. But uh, yeah, last year on his first anniversary, we went to this. I needed to be somewhere I had never been before. I just had that urge. So we went to this national park where there's like no one. It's like mm -hmm. encamped. There's no toilets, no shower. So no one goes there. <laughs> no water, no nothing. <laughs> and it's just like the most beautiful space just on on the ocean. And... We just, yeah, we had some amazing few days there. And Ruben was a avid journal reader, a, a writer. Okay, okay. And he, Lily just read his last entries. And I don't know, Marcy, but it was almost like in a way he knew. Yeah. It was, like he didn't know, but he knew. And I come back to what I said about he didn't want to jump off that cliff. Sorry, yeah. but that's what my son did. <laughs> he often jumped off yeah. cliffs during somersault. Right. I just felt that he knew he had to get, get back to us. Somehow, yeah. subconsciously, I don't know how it works. He knew he couldn't risk it. 
Right. I don't know. Right. Maybe because somehow in the somehow he knew he didn't have a lot of time. I mean, yeah, and he just he, you you just don't know about these things, right? You don't know about these things, but you know how your Andy said, "I'm not going to grow up all the way." It's almost like yeah. Maybe somewhere. I was thinking the same thing. Yeah, maybe somewhere you sort of know. I don't know, but he. It's like reading his last journals. It was journal entries. It was like he wasn't. It wasn't like he was committing suicide, but it was like he just wrote about you know the spirits and the, it's beautiful writing. But it was funny. I mean, even that day that he died, you had that three four hour conversation with him just about life and about yeah and we big things right big things that you don't normally talk about with your 21 year old exactly and we're not big we're not big like we talk but we're like not so technology you know we don't write each other yeah. lots of messages or ring each other that's not like it's like send him a text message when are you home that, that sort of right. that sort of communication you know pick up milk or you know whatever yeah that sort of communication so i don't have no idea why we spoke for like three or four hours like, like we had literally never done that even when he yeah. was overseas we would have very short converse, conversations you know like yeah how you doing mom i mean it was mom. a gift yeah it was such a gift it, it was... was such a gift that he you know, came back and that we, that my girl or my daughter's friend got ill and we came back like three or four days before right. we were supposed to come back, you know. Because when were you supposed to get back? We were supposed to be back, I think the day after, on the 7th. On the 7th and he died on the 6th. And then wow. we came back on the 4th instead. I mean, it, it... Or the 3rd. I mean, you don't like to think of things somehow as preordained, but sometimes it seems like that is the case, right? I mean, yeah. just like just like with Andy, just like with Andy, like somehow in that in that little moment in time when he was seven years old, he told me he wasn't going to grow up all the way. I don't think he thought that all the time, but he got a little gift there at that moment to say it to me. And it was only so that years later I could remember yeah yeah and feel like this is just what was going to happen right and you know for her to get sick at that moment so you had to come back a few days early so then you got that three to four hour conversation that you that will be with you forever yeah and you know the last thing he said to me marcy was i love you mom yeah that's the last thing he said to me and that is a gift too yeah for sure for sure and you gotta hold on you gotta hold on to these little things you know you gotta treasure them and i just i'm working so hard of trying to i mean all the first year was about you know why me i'm a good human being you know, I never yeah. heard anyone. This shouldn't be happening to me. Why didn't it happen to other mass murderers, you know, or whatever? Right, right. And why did it happen to our family? It shouldn't happen to, you know, all those blah, blah, blah. But, you know, I'm really conscious now of going, it did happen. It shouldn't have happened, but it did happen. And it's up to me now what I do with it, you know? Yeah. And I totally are in support of that you need to go down there and just be miserable and feel like for me, it was it was so funny because I was talking to you guys the other day when you were talking about what's your advice, what have you done? Of course, you couldn't hear me because uh, <laughs> I wasn't online. Right. You're, you were talking to Gwen and I when we were talking. Uh, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, okay. Yeah, and you just didn't listen to me, you know. <laughs> no, nope, didn't hear you. So, didn't hear you. No, and I was just telling you about like the whole first year after Ruben died. All I did was basically feel miserable, and you know, watch hospital dramas, which I have never watched in my whole life. I have watched every <laughs> hospital drama there is. Really? 
you know, Grace autonomy, <laughs> New Amsterdam, the, the good doctor, <laughs> everything, everything. I don't know. I just get, I, yeah, and I was just drinking red wine and watched hospital dramas and felt, you know, miserable and ate chocolate and gained, you know, 15 kilos. And that's fine. That's fine. Right. right. That is fine. That is fine. That is is what I needed. And I, you know, I think back of that first year of actually thinking, oh, that was pretty good. Because then second year comes along. And for me, it's been even more horrible because, you know, first of all, I had to stop. I was done with the hospital dramas. I was done with the red one. (laughs) Well, I drink a little bit of red one, but not like half a bottle a night, you know. And... I had to sort of show up in life, you know, yeah. and then hurt. Well, it's it seems more real. Yeah. Everything is more real. It is. And, and the first year, I mean, the first six months, I don't feel like I thought it was real at all. No, no, I can't, I can't even remember that. I just don't think I did. I don't think it was hitting me no. at all. No, 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 not at all. And then it starts to get more real. But, but when you get into the second year... It really feels real. Yeah. And everybody else kind of assumes that you're just doing better. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't think you get as much grace from other people. And in fact, you're feeling worse because the disbelief feelings are not there as much. They're yeah. starting to go away because you're starting to just believe it more, I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, for me, like I'm still okay. This has only been just over two years, but I'm still in like I still can't believe it. After yeah. all this time, we've done all this. Like this year, we've just gone through the second year anniversary, and we went to a very very special spot that Ruben was. He was obsessed with this little. It was. It's like a little ruin. Mm-hmm. has a lot of uh, street art and it's by the beach it's 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 gorgeous and everyone was for this year we just it was very quiet this year it was just we were just sitting there listening to some music we have now two new dogs they were just running around and it was just sort of not as heavy duty as we've done all these other rituals but that was that was sort of what I needed you know it was just like low key, right? Sitting there, the sun went down. It was just nice, and then we went home and watched Forrest Gump, which was, uh, you know, Ruben's favorite movie. So it was just like I think for me, I had to sort of go. I've, I've got to go with what's going on at the moment, and maybe next year will be completely different. But this year, it was just right. I didn't. I I didn't need to lament then I didn't even want to lament you know it was like yeah I just wanted to chill out it's it's just so I'm so glad that you are open to just doing whatever it seems like you need at the moment because it does change yeah and you do have no idea what next year will be like or feel like or maybe you will want to lament next year yeah absolutely want to do something different Yeah. Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? But, mm-hmm. uh, you know, what I'm doing at the moment is I'm also completely, I'm a baker amongst other things. I have a little sourdough bakery at the moment. Uh-huh. We do the farmer's market. It's all very cute <laughs> and friendly. And it's been a very, very... You are making me want to come to Melbourne. I'm telling you. You're telling me you're a baker. I would love that. Come and have you bake for me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, we, uh, it's just a little, and I've, I've worked the farmer's markets and mm. it's been, it's been good actually, because it's, it's probably the friendliest environment on earth <laughs> working in a farmer's market. Yeah. It's all about sort of, organic food and friendly people and 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 community right and community and lots of hugs and and honestly we've we started yeah talking about community so i think it's it's good to kind of 
almost end our conversation again talking about community and how important that can be and when you're in a community of loving people yeah and yeah. you talked to me even before we started recording about how you would love to be able to find kind of a community of other grieving parents yeah. maybe I have, there I have, in australia i've tried mm -hmm. i've tried a few grieving groups support groups which weren't the right ones for me mm-hmm and yeah, I guess I haven't found yet my grieving community in Australia. Uh, I have very, I mean, most, I've gone through pretty much exactly the same thing what lots of other people go through. Like I have my sort of friends which were floating around, they've all fallen off. They, they've sort of don't really want to talk to me any longer, but that's okay. <laughs> but I have, I have through two friends which are like I call I call us the three musketeers and they've been with me the whole time or been supporting not only me but Paul and the girls and you know as a family yeah so they've been they've been amazing but it would be nice to meet other grieving parents in in Australia as well which I'm sure will happen so in, you, in its own so good you time. heard it here if you are a listener in Australia, and I do have quite a few listeners in Australia, actually. I'm not the only one. Want it. <laughs> right. And you want to connect, email me. Okay. So email me, Marcy, M-A-R-C-Y at andysmom.com. And I will get you hooked up. Yeah. There. Yeah. What I'm doing at the moment, I'm taking up a, um, I'm doing a bereavement counselor course, actually. Are you? Yeah. Wow. I wanted to do that because I feel like when... One day the bakery is all, you know, gone. Mm -hmm. Or you know, when you move, when I need to move on to the next thing, I would love to become a sort of like a death doula or a bereavement doula, mm -hmm. or being able to support people. It's a bit like you said, you know, you feel like this is something you can do with your kid, you know. And you're doing yeah. this with Andy. Well, and it's funny, you know, we're into a new year and my therapist actually asked me, what do you see with the podcast this year? What would you like to do this year? And, you know, I thought about it for a second and I said, what I really like to do is get more people in community with each other. Yeah. Because I would like yeah. to be that person yeah. that can help connect different people that they may be able to meet in person or more locally or yeah. just foster more relationships yeah. to be able to have people not just talk to me like you are talk to me yeah. and Gwen when we're doing a little chat yeah. without me being able to hear you but really be in contact with others so again that is not being said lately that's something that I really would like to do this year and so if there's somebody else if for all you listeners, if there's somebody else that you feel like, you know what, I really would like to get in contact with this person or that person, or you'd like to talk to me, hey, email me, okay? So just know that I really want to be, and it doesn't have to be Australian probably for you. No, it can do, it can be, it can be anywhere, you know? Yeah, it can be anywhere. It's uh, like, I mean, we can use Zoom and we can, it's just so easy. Yeah. But like I have this strong feeling and, you know, Ruben has, I believe, really encouraged me sort of divinely, if if, if you like, mm -hmm. to, to pursue this path. And uh, then, yeah, I feel like I can be a part of a community, do this with my kid and perhaps also be of some help you know right right because that thing of that you just feel so isolated um that i i believe many people do that you know yeah absolutely well thank you so much for sharing ruben with us today and joining us i really enjoyed our conversation oh marcy thank you so much and Thank you to Gwen and thank you to the whole community and everyone there who has shared on the podcast. I just want you to know that it has helped so incredibly much. You know, I just don't know what I would have done without you guys. So thank you.
Thanks for listening. If you found this helpful and would like to support the podcast, please leave a five-star rating and comment. To help financially, you can type Andy's mom, one word, to the number 53555. This provides a link to GiveButter, which allows donations through PayPal, Venmo, Apple Pay, or credit cards. GiveButter will provide a receipt of your tax-deductible donation. Or you can visit the donation page at andysmom.com donate. Always Andy's Mom is a registered 501c3 and can receive donations through Thriving Financial and Benevity. Marcy loves hearing from listeners. Please feel free to reach out to her via email at marcy at andysmom.com or on the Instagram or Facebook Always Andy's Mom accounts. Sign up for the email list to get weekly episode links as well as pictures of Marcy's guests and their children. Together, let's work to inspire hope one day at a time.